0: Welcome to our podcast. We are The Kinotomic, a movie podcast that bridges the cinema nostalgia of the golden age of Hollywood with the explosive modernity of contemporary cinema. I'm your host, Danny, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Nick. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us again today for another conversation about some of our favourite films. Nick, feels like it's been ages since we've last recorded. You must have loads of films you'd like to talk about, but...
1: Uh- yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not really. It's not really happened.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to ask you. Just give us your top three, maybe.
1: Well, you know, it's been what three weeks, um, and uh, yeah, usually it would be, You know, within that time, it'd be like, yeah, yeah, I've seen loads of movies, but I, it's just not happened. I, I've I've been stuck in firmly in dissertation mode. Um, so i haven't really seen anything um that i have that i haven't spoken about before i think last okay. time i was on i was I, I was talking about you know i i've been working my way through m night shyamalan movies and i haven't seen anything really since um apart from um well we we last time we were on we made a thing where we were said you know we You've been watching Modern Family and uh you'd reference this episode that you were watching and and uh so we did a thing where we watched, you know, the episode. So I watched the Modern Family episode and you watched the community episode that referenced uh Goodfellas. Yes. And um because of that, I've I am now three weeks later in season <laughs> finishing season five of Modern Family. Wow. Um <laughs> Um, which I so, suppose I I kind I kind of need it because like it's it's just like it's it's so far away far removed from what I'm doing with my dissertation. It's just kind of good to be watching something that is just you know I can almost switch my brain off, but it's not. It's actually it's good television at the same time.
0: It's so good. I find it adorable.
1: Uh, and uh, I you know i i i've because you you're what you're way ahead of me you've i'm assuming you've like you're on season 10 now season 10 or 11 so i am on I season imagine, 10 yeah yeah so but you're way you're way way ahead of me and what's been happening is whenever i've been watching an episode and there's like a guest star i literally just text you the name of the person <laughs> um <laughs> cause you've I've had matthew Broderick, haven't you I had Matthew Broderick. I think the last one I had was uh, the last big one I had was Jesse Eisenberg showed up. Yeah, um, I,
0: um, where did that? I I, can't, I I remember seeing him, but I don't remember the, the context.
1: Uh, he was uh, Mitchell and Cameron's uh, green neighbor. Uh, so he was the green, like he was like you know green energy and stuff, and Mitchell got really jealous. Oh, um,
0: yeah, yeah, rings Yeah.
1: Um I just had uh last night I watched the episode where they went to Australia. Um and uh <laughs> it was uh Reese Darby showed up as uh Ferguson uh Fergus, which Yes. I love Reese Darby, he's a really, really funny guy. But it, it just really it kind of baffled me that you know, when usually when sitcoms, US sitcoms do like these you know, episodes where they go somewhere, you know, they spend like two or three parts. You know, you think of the London episode of Friends, which was like what, two parts, three parts. I
0: think it was two parts. You know, mod- At least Modern three Family.
1: Episodes. Yeah, Modern Family is like, oh yeah, no, we're just going to spend 20 minutes in Australia.
0: I know, that um, was weird. I thought they'd be longer there, but they weren't.
1: Yeah. But yeah, oh, it, it's, it's a good show. It's a good show. It's really well written. Um, yeah. Who's it's, your it's favourite really character? Funny it's it's either I mean there's a three way tie at the moment in season five Mm. um so it's either Phil um Gloria and Lily that's my three way tie (laughs) um Lily in season five Lily in season five is the funniest most adorable character I've ever heard
0: she's very Um,
1: sweet ty burrell is just excellent um he's got a real real gift for for physical comedy he does and um gloria played by sophia Vergara. i mean not only is she like incredibly beautiful she is also incredibly funny as well yeah um uh yeah, yeah. so it, it, it's i mean it's a good show i mean i i don't really have any like major com- i don't have really have many major complaints I think I spoke to you. Um, like, I think I sent you a message saying, "Oh, I really like Luke as a character," and you said, "Oh, wait, wait and see." And I'm starting to see where your what you meant by that. Yeah. Um, as as a grown uh, up,
0: as as a kid growing up, it just feels he's not as adorable as in the first few seasons. It's the same um, with Manny
1: as well. Like, yeah. uh, you know, teenage Manny boys just aren't funny. No, teenage boys just aren't funny. Um. Uh, what they're doing with Alex, I think, is really quite quite good. Uh same with Haley as well. Haley's like the kind of character that could be quite one note as well, but she's she's very good, know, that that she's actress. Very, very
0: she's very good. She's very energetic. I love I loved Mitch and Cam very much as well. I think they're both so adorable and the chemistry is great. And I was very yes. surprised to find that Eric Stone Street, who plays Cam, is actually straight in real life.
1: Yes, he is. Yeah, I, I read that, yeah.
0: Um, and I don't know what the politics, what what the policies are, are or what they should be at the moment. But I think he does a really good job. He's what? Um, he does a really good job playing playing Cam. No, yeah, yeah, he's he's a really good.
1: Yeah, Cam is very very good.
0: I think I think that would. I mean, I, not to be politically incorrect, but I think being act- actors could should be able to play different. Sexual orientations because that that's why they do acting
1: but if if the opportunity arises for the opportunity needs to be there for actors to play the roles like trans actors need to be playing trans roles like yeah same with like gay actors yeah so yeah yeah, yeah i know I know what you mean, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, I mean I would not be you
0: know, I mean if that would that would that's that's a different conversation because you know to play trans you'd have to yeah. it's it's a different psychology I would I would assume. Yeah. Um, but
1: but yeah. yeah, yeah, uh yeah. So yeah, yeah more family is pretty much all I'm watching. Um it's like I said, it's but as far removed as, as anything as I can get. Um And yeah, uh that's that's kind of it. I mean Cool. I got some. I got some big news. I don't know if you want me to share that now or at the end.
0: Yes, go ahead.
1: Do you want me to share that now? Do so, it. So, um, if you've been paying attention to my Twitter, or um, you would know. He's this been already, back on but... Twitter, by the way. I am back on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I I I've relapsed. Uh, I I, I, I knew you rel- would. <laughs> <laughs> I come crawling back. Just um, when I thought
0: it was out, I crawl. They pulled me back in.
1: It's like the, there's a, there's a scene in The Simpsons where Homer quits the, the nuclear power plant and he has to go back and ask for his job back, but to do that he has to crawl through a little tiny door into <laughs> Mr. Burns' office so on his hands and knees. Oh. Um, that's pretty much yeah. Anyway, so if you if you're following me on Twitter, you already know this, but um last podcast episode uh i think i might have said that i was guesting on a podcast called a uh, partisan which is part of uh the uh, we made this network which is run by a guy called tony black who is an excellent film critic um who uh you know kindly asked me on to come and talk about michael clayton mm-hmm. and then through that i ended up guesting on um podcast 616 To talk about Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, I had a great conversation with Hugh and uh, Dan on that podcast. And um, they, you know, I've been added to their kind of network almost. And then uh, last week, um, conversation talking about uh, new movies. Um, It turned out that they have a podcast called Real Talk um, that has been kind of been put on hold um because no one no one is kind of running it show running it and um i and ended up for some reason taking on show running uh so i am now the new thank you i'm now the new showrunner for for real talk um tony has for some insane reason decided to give me the reins um it can only go downhill (laughs) from here on (laughs) um yes
0: because you're bad at this
1: yeah, I'm incredibly bad at this. Um, <laughs> so, I told you I'm uh, going
0: to get you a self flagellation whip for Christmas.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, as my role as showrunner there, um, we'll be talking about new releases week by week. Um, it's going to be a week by week thing, talking about new releases. I'm going to have a different guest each episode, or trying to get a different guest each episode. Um, I have managed to rope Danny into coming onto a future episode. Um, so that that's that's the thing that will be happening at some point in the future um as of recording um we've i've got i've got kind of guests all worked out for the next couple of months with all the new films i might as well just say what the new the film i'm going to be talking about next on my first appearance there so we're going to be talking about the new um predator movie called prey directed by dan trachtenberg um i'll be talking with uh dan owen who was the host of real talk so we're going to do like this whole kind of you know, Doctor Who, you know, handing over the you know, rain, you know, the ceremonial torch kind of thing. Okay. Um so we'll be doing that and that that'll be released uh released probably next week. And yeah, we've got so I got some really great guests uh planned. Um some really interesting films. I'm not, not going to be talking about just, you know, the major blockbusters, but also trying to talk about some of the more, you know, interesting films that are out there um week by week. Um, so keep an eye out for that, and to reassure everybody um, as well, this does not mean the end of Um As you can hear, there's a sigh of relief in Danny with Danny. No comment. <laughs> um, no comment. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, so this does not. I'm mean. I'm very the end happy of, for of, you. Thank you. Um, this does not mean the end for Kinotomic. Um, this is the season finale. This episode here. Um, and, you know, we'll do what we usually do, where we take, like, a couple of months off, uh, we'll do, like, a couple of bonus episodes here and there, as and when we feel like it, and then we'll launch season four when we kind of feel in a bit more, uh, refreshed. Um, so, yeah, don't panic, not the end of Keen Atomic, uh, we've already got half of season four kind of already mapped out, we've already know what our bonus episodes are going to be, you know, when, if and when we record them, and, um but in the meantime you can find me on on real talk i'll add all the all the links into that in, in the show notes um so you can follow follow me on on that um but that's enough of me uh danny uh what have you been watching apart from modern family because i kind of feel we can get on for Modern yeah. Family for a good couple of hours so what else have you been watching that isn't modern family
0: yeah so for me like for you it's just yeah life's gotten in the way of cinema going experience and I've been looked into watching more family quite a bit as well as just reading and chilling. I have managed to see a pre-code film at the Cinema Museum last night called Fog over Frisco from to 1934. Uh with a relatively pre-super fame Betty Davis so this was in, I probably it was the same year that she did and became very famous for *Of Human Bondage*, but it was before Warner Brothers realized how good a an actress she was. Um, so, but it's it's a very uh, interesting crime drama pre code from Warner Brothers, and I think you can find it online in streaming services. So yeah, it was quite fun. It was fun to watch it with an audience. So yeah, otherwise, been trying to catch up on Modern Family and also um, on Succession. The, it's funny because these two American shows, they, both, they are both about family, but they couldn't be more different. And now I'm thinking, are oh, they different? And I feel like they, there's a PhD, PhD subject in there somewhere. I don't know if you're fam- familiar with Succession.
1: I, I have not seen Succession. It's one of those American drama shows that I'll probably watch it's written, it's uh, well,
0: produced by Adam McKay. So I don't know if you're are you a fan of Adam McKay. I can't remember. I
1: mean, it's kind of, I mean, I ha- uh, Vice really, really s- s- soured. I really hated that. I didn't movie. like
0: it. I didn't like it either.
1: Um, I haven't seen Don't Look Up, primarily because I don't really want to spend two and a half hours being told that the world's going to end. Um, well, the world is
0: going to end, like it or not. So might as well watch the movie. <laughs> yeah surprise, um
1: surprise. but yeah i don't know like I, I mean succession i've heard it's 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 really good really really obviously really really good yes um i might see if i can catch up on it before whenever that the new season starts season four whenever that starts. yeah
0: i'd be quite curious to see what you think it's very well written and very well acted and i like it so yeah But anyway, I do want to go to the cinema in the next couple of weeks. Uh, The BFI programme is to die for, um, and really good films like The Sweet Smell of Success with with Birth Lancaster, which I've always wanted to see. And Rebecca Hall has a new movie out, uh, Resurrection, which I I really want to see because I'm a big fan of hers, and I think I told you this. So yeah, I can't believe I'm putting my new Thor movie lower on the list of films to watch, but yeah. Maybe I'll have to wait for it to come out on the streaming platforms. It didn't get very good reviews, did it? Which is that? The new Thor film.
1: Um, well, it I I think I think you might like it. I I don't want really you want to repeat my thoughts on it. I mean, I think I'm kind of done with Tiger. I see. Um, but you're a bit more of a bigger fan of Tiger than I am. Mm-hmm. so I don't, like, the people I've spoken to who were, like, you know, 110% and on Taika, like, they they seem to have loved it, um, whereas I myself have kind of, I don't know, come out the other side, I think, but I don't know, it'll be interesting to see what you think, I mean, um, out of all the, the latest Marvel movies, or the, the, you know, Doctor Strange and the Morty versus the Madness is the better film, um, okay. in my opinion, so, but, yeah, yeah. See how you yeah. i would be interested to see what you think.
0: Um, I think I want to, I think what I want is to see a rather, rather horror film on the big screens first, so I might wait for it to come out on the streaming services. So, yeah, um,
1: she- I mean, there's um, we've got uh, there's some really interesting film movies coming out. I mean, Jordan Peele's new movie, uh, Nope, has been out in America for at least like a week now and um it's coming out on the 11th over here it's really really difficult to avoid spoilers um but i mean i'm really looking forward to that i don't know if you've if you've seen get out or us i've
0: seen i've seen both and i i think get out was one of those films that i spent the next 24 hours thinking about it and wanting to see it again straight away and i remember renting it on youtube and i had 48 hours to see it so, I watched it twice, two days in a row
1: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of those movies
0: because it's one because once you start because you rent it and then you've got twenty four hours to watch it, and I remember coming back from work and I'm like, I'm going to put it back on because <laughs> it's still living rent free in my head.
1: yeah, um yeah, no, I've heard really good things, really, really good things about Nope. so I'm really looking forward to to reading to yeah, to watching I that like and reading all the.
0: I like Daniel. Daniel is Daniel Kaluuya's in it, isn't he?
1: Yeah. I like uh, him.
0: Yeah, Kalua, Kalu How is
1: Kaluuya, Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: He's great in Widows. Like, I mean.
0: Oh my god! I was so scared of him in Widows. <laughs> it was just like, oh my god! Just don't look at me! Don't look at me! He, he was, was really so,
1: funny. That, that scene in that like gym. Yes. Like, that whole like, oh wow.
0: Yes, yes. He was just like, okay, my, my blood went dro- cold. I was like, okay, just can I just go home now?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're a really, really good actor.
0: Cool. Um, but yeah, shall, so yeah. Um, Should we, shall we del- delve into our... um? What's our theme for today? Is it screwball comedy? Which it's really screwball
1: comedy, isn't it? Done. Like...
0: We've done screwball before, but we haven't done it in, in this angle in that we compared... An old screwball comedy with a rather newer screwball comedy.
1: Yeah, I mean we we've, we we did the thing in season at the end of season one where we finished off with two comedies, and then season two we did the same thing where we finished off with two comedies, so... and like originally we were meant to be finishing with, uh, God, it was uh, Michael Powell's Peeping Tom, I think. And um Joe Dante's *The Burbs*, which has been moved to season four, and I was looking at our schedule and I was like, "This we can't end on this note. Like we can't end our season on."
0: I you know, think it's it's set that in stone now that we have to end a, a season with with the comedy episode. Yeah, you
1: got to you got to do the comedy light hearted, and I think we've done very very well with our two pickings today. So it's two screwballs, yes. basically, yes. thirty years apart.
0: Mm. Right, shall we start? So, we begin with His Girl Friday from 1940, directed by Howard Hawks. And here is a quick synopsis. A newspaper editor uses every trick in the book to keep his ace reporter ex-wife from remarrying. So, what did you think of His Girl Friday?
1: So when when usually when like I read things on like the greatest comedies ever or greatest romantic comedies, screwball comedies, um, even films like involving journalism, this is definitely like in the conversation. It always seems to be in the conversation. Um, so it kind of beggars belief that it really has taken me this long to get to it. Yes. Um I've spoken about my appreciation of Cary Grant. On this pod, in fact, you know, when we did our... on on the, In this season, we did a, a episode on Arsenic and Old Lace. Um, in hindsight, I think I was a little bit harsh on that film than maybe, like, as time has gone on, I think I've kind of softened on it.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, I think, like, that movie, there was a lot... It's just a lot of manic energy. It's very, very manic. Yes. And Kerry Grant was you know, it was almost as though his character in that film was almost struggling to keep up with it. Um, whereas here, like, where like, you know, I think like the a film that he did before this with uh, Catherine Hepburn Bring Out Baby, which is an incredible movie. That movie is very much like where Catherine Hepburn is the one, she's instigating the action. She's the one responsible for everything that's kind of going on, really. Like, she is the reason the plot keeps moving forward, the reason why Cary Grant is always, you know, trying to, play, trying to catch up and, you know, keep his head, head level. Here, he's doing the Hepburn role almost, where he is the one kind of responsible for uh, the things kind of, yes, you know, snowballing. Um, and it's a really like interesting because it's I think it's the first time I've seen Cary Grant do that in a in a in a in a movie. Um, I've not seen that many Cary Grant movies, and which is a real—it's uh, not It's not good. I need to rectify that. I need to rectify that. Yeah. Um, but you think about you know North by Northwest, you know that movie is he's he's just yeah. s- s- like almost like it happens it's not his fault. Like he's, always, you know, he's been He's he's the wrong man. Like, um, and, you know, Torius, he's kind of like, the, you know, the lead, like the romantic lead. There is not, it's obviously not comedy. So it's, you know, he, it, there's not, not, you know, not like this kind of like energy, like it's a different kind of energy he's bringing to his girl Friday. Um, and I, I, I really, really enjoyed him in this, in this performance. Like I really, really did. um, like his the way he delivers his his dialogue and stuff is just so perfect, and then when he's fighting against um rosalind russell who who plays Hildy, you know like she just fires it straight back at him <laughs> and I mean thank god i mean she isn't she isn't like the female version of someone who gets kind of like frat she isn't like the female version of the Kerry grant role in in bring up baby you know she's like She's very much like she's a head of the game almost well she is ahead of the game, like she knows exactly what's going on um and you know she fights back with with urgency and you know she holds her own and 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 she does it you know she does it extremely successfully the The film is really really fast paced i mean it's ninety minutes long, but it it's like a rocket really yes um it doesn't hold the holding its hand for 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 any second really, and it really does the justice to the term screwball. Yes. <laughs>
0: um.
1: And the film, uh, so the film's directed obviously you know directed by Howard Hawks, who we've spoken about before on the pod. His direction here is is just impeccable. At times it's invisible when it needs to be, and then at other times you really really appreciate what he's doing. So. I think that the uh, one of the place, one of the locations in particular is is the the press room at the courthouse. Like yes. that space never feels as though it's overused. The blocking and the movements, like and the way the action kind of unfolds in in the different scenes that take place there, it never feels like it's like it's never boring. You know, it could quite easily be a, a location that you just feel like okay, you need to be going somewhere else with this. But you know, it it it. It's just a testament to, like, a great director like that that never, it never, never feels, like, enclosed. Um, So, yeah, I mean, this is a great movie. It it is no doubt a great movie. I've given it five, five, five out of five stars. If, if, if I had any kind of complaints or qualms or anything, it would have been... The point where Molly Malloy hurled herself out the window. Which yeah. It felt just way off base. Like, it just came out of nowhere. It was almost like it was a touch too far. Um, it didn't fit it in with the rest n- of the
0: pacing, did it?
1: No, it, it didn't fit in. And, like, and nobody references it, really. Like, it has no, like impact on the story really and it's a real shame that that happens to the what is in effect the second female lead you know she is the the second female lead and she pulls herself out the window because she's extremely upset and it's like well you have this really great female character in Rosalind Russell as Hildy and you're like yes this is amazing and then the other one is just all emotion and holds herself out the window and it's just like really like it, it yeah. didn't need to do that it didn't need to have done that um you know her character was like clearly, clearly going to be someone that was you know um i don't know like it just uh, it just seemed unneeded it just seemed unneeded but other than that great movie
0: okay Cool. I think, I'm not 100% sure because I haven't read or seen the actual play on which the movie is based, but that might, that throwing herself out the window might be in the play. Okay. The play was a 1931 play called The Front Page, written by Ben Hecht. And the film was, and in the play, Hildy is a man. So there's no romance, there's no marriage. It's just two reporters, and I think Hildy's trying to quit and Walter's not trying, is trying to not let him. The way it came about was that during the 1930s, Howard Hawks was hosting a dinner party when the topic of dialogue in movies uh, or plays was brought up. And he pulled out a copy of the front page, the play, to demonstrate the snappy exchanges between characters. He took the role of the, of Burns and the female guest took the role of Hildy. So when reading, he realized that the dialogue sounded much better with a woman reading. So then what he did, he secured the rights for the film from Howard Hughes, who had the rights, and Ben Hecht, who wrote the play, approved the gender change and the screenplay was put into production. So this idea was really after like very soon in the in the 30s it was in pre-production for a long time um Marion Davis and Clark Gable were were due to play Hilde and Walter as the filming got close to sort of starting Gene Arthur was the top choice for Hilde apparently also John Crawford was also considered for the role of Hilde which i personally think would have been a mistake because as we all know, John Crawford had no comedic timing at all. <laughs> not Shots everyone can fired. do. Not everyone. Listen, I have. A, I have my favorites in terms of classic actresses, and I have to say, I respect and love John Crawford, but I don't love love her. And not everyone can do comedy. She can do drama, melodrama, like nobody's business. And she's a movie star, but she's not a true actress. Here, I'm done. I'm off my soap- soapbox. <laughs> so, yeah, the film finished shooting seven days behind schedule because of the um, aforementioned uh, snappy dialogue. This had to be carefully timed with the movement as well, so with the acting. For instance, the restaurant scene which um, in which Ben take, uh, takes Hildy and Bruce took four days to shoot, and the original schedule had only two days allotted for the scene. But because of all the scruple and fast paced and, and talking as well as, you know, getting off from the table because you had the drinks spilled on you, getting to get the phone, it took four days to film. Also, Hard Hawks used multiple microphones rather than one boom mic the way they used to do. So basically they had microphones all over the place. And they couldn't be turned on simultaneously. So a sound technician had to switch one from mic to mic on cue. So some scenes required at least as many as 35 switches. So you can imagine going, pow, pound, pound, going from one mic to the next. Um, I would not have wanted to be, to be that sound technician. And one other thing that I would like to point to sort of... Delve into other than the dialogue, which was I thought it was incredible, and it was one of the first Hollywood films where to have characters talk over the lines of what other characters for a more realistic sound, because prior to this, movie characters had to complete the lines and then the other person would start talking. So the um, I think the one of the very first ones was Stage Door with um, Catherine Hepburn and Ginger Rogers from 1937 and this was one of the other ones and I definitely recommend watching stage talk because it's a really good film so I've mentioned before that Rosalind Russell was not the first choice of Hilde so she was very low down the list and she did not like that, she was borrowed from MGM for, this was made by Columbia by the way so she was borrowed from MGM and she was rather insecure during the first day of, days of filming because she Knew that she was not director's first choice, and making matters worse was the fact that Howard Hawks just watched her initial scenes with Cary Grant, and he didn't make any comment. And then she went to Cary Grant, who had already worked with um, Howard Hawks, and he knew what he was like. So he told her, "Well, if he didn't like it, he will tell you." So she she then went to Howard Hawks, and she asked her asked him what he. Felt about her work, and he said, "Well, you we just keep pushing him around the way you're doing." So that was kind of enough for her to to help her with her performance. And I think one of the reasons that other actresses turned down the role was that they didn't they didn't felt that they didn't have enough dialogue to sort of balance it out with Carrie Grant's character. So and Russell, Russell was no exception. She thought that she didn't have as many good lines as Carrie. Grant had. So what she did was she hired an advertisement writer to her brother-in-law and had him write more clever lines for the dialogue. And since Howard Hawks allowed for this kind of spontaneity and ad-libbing, he didn't notice what she did, but Cary Grant did. And he kind of he would greet her every morning. with like, "What have you got for me today?" Because he knew that she she'd been prepped beforehand. But I think that helped with both their performances. To sort of, it was like a boxing match in between them, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, that's what it felt like between the yeah. two of them. Like they so, were literally, yeah, trading trading blows almost.
0: Yeah, so I felt like that dynamic really worked, and I think she she took the she made the right decision to get bit prepped on on that. By the way, do you know what Girl Friday means? No, I don't. (laughs) A Girl Friday is an assistant who carries out a variety of chores. And the name alludes to Friday, Robinson Crusoe's native male dog's body, in Daniel Defoe's novel. Ah, okay. So, yeah, according to uh, Merriam Webster's dictionary, uh, the definition, the term was first used in 1940, the year the film was released. So, yeah. So
1: it's basically just to play on, the, the film is just to play on the fact that there is no hit girl called Friday.
0: No, there is no girl called, but she is yeah, his that's, girl that's, Friday because she runs around and pleases him, makes, it, you know, does everything he tells her to do.
1: Yeah, but she, she, she doesn't though. She she doesn't do everything. She's trying to well, fight against it. That's what I mean. Like it's trying to fight against the term of, of you know.
0: Yeah, but at the end he kind of, I, I'm not going to say that he dominates her. I think he helps her understand that What she really wants is to be a very good reporter and that she also loves him very much. So I think it's kind of a win-win situation. I mean, you could argue that it's not a very feminist film. But at the same time, you could argue that it is because she can stand her own and she's on equal footing with him the whole time.
1: Yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. Like, she has her own agency I mean, like the un- it the just feels
0: just... like at the end she kind of falls under it's her dominant his his spell once again.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, so you kind of you start you start off where you started, and I think previous script, pre- previous drafts of the script had her and him be start off at in the court, in in lawsuit like divorce um, divorce suit having divorced three times before, so it's like a it's on a loop. And that was the whole idea of the film is on a constant loop because they got divorced and remarried four times before. Um but that didn't make the cut. But that's kind of like the background of, of the film.
1: I, I have a I have a question for you. Oh. Um so one of the it was a really funny one of the it was a really funny line in the movie where um uh, Cary Grant's character, um, uh, Wilfred, isn't it? Wilfred, Is that right? Walter, Walter, what, sorry, Walter Burns. yeah, no, I don't yeah, Walter, yeah. Anyway, so Walter, he, you know, he's talking to his, you know, the the little thief guy, and says to him, "Oh, you know, got this guy. You need to go and do this, do this." And he's like, "What does he look like?" And he's just, "Oh, uh, you know, the actor Ralph Bellamy." Says, so, so, "Yeah, it looks <laughs> like him." Um, I um, that made me laugh. Um, we've had a. Ralph Bellamy appear on the podcast at least once before. Um, can you yes, name the movie yes. and the role?
0: I don't remember his name, but he was in tra- Trading Places with Donna As,
1: Mitchell. Uh, yeah, Ra- Randolph Duke.
0: Yes. Yes. Um. I have been paying attention. <laughs> uh- <laughs> <laughs> I kind of figured that you might want to touch on that because we did have Ralph Bellamy in Trading Places, didn't we?
1: Yeah, um, much older Randolph, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, apparently, Cary Grant had that line at libbed <laughs> it, it was a joke because Ralph Bellamy was actually the guy. So he's like, I'm, it's basically like saying Julia Roberts plays Julia Roberts. Yeah. Which they did yeah. in, in Ocean's 11 or Ocean's 12?
1: Oh, I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen those movies.
0: Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, that's kind of it uh, for me. I'm I'm really glad that you liked it. It's it's one of it's a top notch f- screwball comedy. It's one of my favorites, and I think I watch it every year alongside t- most of the other Howard Hawks comedies, like Bringing a Baby in Twentieth Century. I love I love his style of filming, and uh, there is such th- th- such a thing as a Hawksian woman. Um, which basically Hildy is, and I love Rosalind Russell in, in it. I think she's she's so energetic and she's so brilliantly dynamic. She didn't. I mean,
1: am I right in thinking she didn't have like the big film career that maybe she should have had? Um, I like,
0: I think well, she was kind well, of always sort of yeah second fiddle to the to, to bigger names. Because, yeah, she was not... Like I said, she was not the first choice for this. But she was... She's a very good actress. I mean, if you see her in Craig's Wife, I think that was 1936, she is absolutely, amazingly scary. Um. I think, yeah, she... I think looking at it now, it doesn't seem like she had the big career that she was supposed to have, because... History probably f- has forgotten most of the films that she was in, but I think at the time she was quite a big name. And yeah, well, I'm
1: just I'm just thinking like in comparison with I mean the comparative film with this is bringing up baby really. Yeah. And you think like you know Cary Grant, Cary Grant, and then you've got Catherine Hepburn and Rosalind Russell. And it almost feels as though you know when you take a step back and you're looking at the yeah. names, and if you don't know anything about if you don't know anything about you know these two movies really you know Catherine Hepburn's name and you're like okay well who who is this Rosalind Russell and it I almost see what feels as though you know you know what I mean like Catherine Hepburn is like you know one of the great names of of Hollywood yes Whereas Rosalind Russell I mean I'm not saying she's not worth that because she's honestly amazing in this film and I think she is as good as Hepburn is in Bringing Up Baby so it almost feels it almost feels as though you know she didn't have the career that maybe she should have had, if you compare her with the comparative performance. If you know what I mean,
0: I see what you're saying, but I think that nobody in Hollywood has had the career that Katherine Heigben has had.
1: <laughs> no, no, I think I think you're right. there, yeah. So um, comparing
0: her with Katherine Heigben, everybody pales. I mean, except for Barbara Stanwyck, I don't think you can you can, or maybe D- Betty Davis at a stretch, because Betty Davis did some stinkers later in in later life. Um, but yeah, yeah, you you couldn't, you couldn't, I mean, Catherine Hebron, she also had the very almost upper middle class upbringing that allowed her to be choosy and act whenever she wanted and have really good productions and very good quality scripts. Um, she didn't yeah. have to scramble for, for scripts like the actresses did. She was royalty through and through. So yeah, she's in a okay. league of her own. She can't, she um, can't be touched.
1: Yeah, no, I I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't bringing down Hepburn. I was no, just no, to work.
0: no, but yeah, I see what you, I see what you're saying, yeah. I would, um, incidentally, I would recommend watching Rosalind Russell in The Women from 1939. She was brilliant in it. And she's there with John Crawford, Norma Shearer, um, Paulette Goddard, John Fontaine, It's an incredible cast. Incredible. Um, Directed by George Cukor. It's a really beautiful film. Okay. And it's just women. There's no men in it. (laughs) Seriously. I'm selling it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Right. I think Um, we're done with...
1: One Mm screwball and we're going to move on to another. Yes. So 32 years later... Um the tag one of the taglines for this movie is a screwball comedy. Remember them? Um no. Because I mean like in the 70s, like you know, 60s and 70s, there weren't any really. Though it doesn't didn't exist. Like screwballs just didn't exist really. Do you know Um, why? I don't know why you're you're gonna tell me. I'm
0: (laughs) do you want to know why?
1: Yeah, go go for it. Oh, I, I have. I mean, why. most
0: of most of film historians have this theory that the screwball comedy started because of the production code. Because we have, before then, we have the sex comedies, the pre codes, and in the late thirties, right. we get the screwball comedy, which is the energetic sex comedies, but under a different name because you can't have the sex comedies anymore. But then, with the fifties and sixties, the production code rules are more or less ignored. You get TV and that's why you don't have the screwball comedies anymore.
1: Uh, okay.
0: There is a time and place, and it's it's a history thing. It's a it's a production code situation.
1: Okay. Okay. A little bit of background there. I didn't know. <laughs> um. So th- anyway, this film. That's simplifying it, you
0: know, it's not. It's not. You know, there's books written about it, but I'm just. Yeah. Simplifying. Yeah.
1: Just. Dumbing it down for, for your for your co-host. Um <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh 1972. Uh it's called What's Up Doc, uh directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Um, our second Bogdanovich of, of the season. Um and the reason why we are doing this screwball duo for the season finale, because I re- I watched it for the first time in preparation for Paper Moon and fell in love with the movie. And was like we need to get this, you know, hmm. talk about this. Um, so brief synopsis, very brief. The accidental mix-up of four identical planned overnight bags leads to a series of increasingly wild and wacky situations. Um, this film stars Barbara Streisand, Ryan O'Neill, Madeline Kahn, and loads of other people. Um so, Danny, what did you think of What's Up, Doc?
0: Okay, so I can't say I'm a huge fan of Poddanovich's work or a connoisseur, but I did enjoy Paper Moon and I did enjoy The Last Picture Show and I loved his documentary on Buster because, you know, Buster. And this felt, well, it was an attempt at screwball comedy, but I don't know if it was 100% successful. I loved the physical comedy and... The references to Bester were very good. It had its laugh at moments, mostly in the second half. Yeah, like I said, the physical comedy landed quite well. I am a big fan of Madeline Kahn's. I think she's more talented than most people in this film, including Barbara Streisand. I know that's a big sin to say.
1: I have no, I have no opinion on Barbara Streisand whatsoever. This is the I first movie I've ever just... seen of her in, so.
0: I love Madin Khan, I think. And she, by the way, she had such a good voice as well. She could sing like nobody's business. You've seen Young Frankenstein, right? Yes, I have. She does the singing in there. And now you can't remember if she sings. Anyway. um, It was a good film. A very good film. Very enjoyable. And, yeah... It just didn't really feel like screwball to me, and I will focus mainly on the acting, which was why I didn't really feel like it was a screwball. I think the physical stuff was good, the energy and the physical scenes were, were like you know the action scenes, the whole chase that was really long. Towards the end of the film was was funny, but I don't know. I think Ryan O'Neill felt. Slightly the wrong kind of wooden at times. I mean, he, I don't that 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 is either too bored or doesn't really know what film he's in. So some of his gags kind of felt a bit flat. But I did enjoy him taking his shirt off. So yeah, there's that. (laughs) You can see. You know, because we've talked about Cary Grant and you kind of see the acting wheels in his head turning and you can see where it's all coming from and you can see that it's Cary Grant. He's trying to be Cary Grant in Bringing a Baby because he's a professor, he's a scientist, yeah? Yeah. And you kind of see that where where it all stems from. But I think from... I mean, I don't know where... Ryan O'Neill's background is but Cary, Grant, Cary Grant's background was in vaudeville so he had very good comedic timing so he was very good with moving his body in a certain way so you could see the stiffness of Ryan O'Neill felt a bit forced and it just didn't flow as much as well for me now with Robert Streisand I've read that she was kind of aiming for a Lombard Carol Lombard type and I have to say no. I can't I really can't see it. So she's very sweet in this role. She's a beautiful face. Yes, maybe a bit kooky, but she doesn't have the energy or of a of a Lombard or a Hepburn or a Russell and Russell. And and I think I know why. And that is because comedy is a very, very hard thing to do. It's much harder than drama. And it's been documented that on the set of Bringing a Baby and on the set of The 20th Century, which we've had on the podcast, both Hepburn and Lombard, respectively, they didn't start off doing very well. They both sucked. Bringing a Baby was Katharine Hepburn's first comedy, and they had to bring in four the and, and train her including Howard Hawks. They had to coach them to get the energy and spontaneity out of them. Same with Carol Lombard. I remember reading that Carol Lombard at first sucked so bad that John Barrymore was basically holding his nose up and looking at the director. And they had to sort of, again, take her to the side and and coach her. And I think what he says, like, okay, pretend that you've You've acted. You're you're done acting. You just don't need to do any more acting. That's it. You've you've you, you've earned your living. You've you don't need to do acting. What would you? How would you react if somebody said this to you, the way he, the way John Barrymore treats her in the film? So and then she says, "Well, I would kick his shin." So and he's like, "Well, do it." Um. So yeah, there's there's a lot of work happening backstage, and it with this, both Streisand and I just felt like the chemistry was a bit off and the energy just isn't there and it's not too polished for me. Does that make sense? It does, yes. Um, it just felt, I mean, it it was good chemistry. I liked the piano scene and you could see it a mile away and it was funny and, and rather sweet but overall, it just felt like you know, you know where this is going. You know the story; it, they're all both they're going to end up together, and you're just going to enjoy the ride while while they do. And I enjoyed the, you know, what's that Chinese game called where you have the cups and you have one ball in the middle, and you don't know under which cup's the ball is. It's, it I, was like
1: I don't know, I don't know what it's called,
0: but you know what I mean. It was like yeah. that with the four um, suitcases because you're like, you know, what's in the suitcase? Who's got what? Um, there's four suitcases going in different hotel rooms and it's quite funny to watch because everyone kind of, they're very serious. And it culminates with a very, very funny courtroom scene, which I absolutely loved. That was that was very well done, almost to perfection. And yeah, I mean, I did laugh. Um, I enjoyed it. As a screwball aficionado that I am, I just it was not it. It was a seventies comedy, a very good one, very great directing, really good writing. I love Madeline Kahn. I think she that that wig really disturbed me <laughs> in a very funny way. <laughs> um, but the acting was I, I, it, it was not quite there. And I'm going to use um, you've seen Whiplash, yes. And I'm just going to say, it was not quite my tempo.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: I'm sorry. Not I'm quite. really disappointed that you didn't love this
1: movie. <laughs> like, I I, was, I, honestly... I did like
0: it very much. It was just it didn't reach the the peak of Cary Grant, and it, it's very hard. I'm not saying I'm not saying anything that it, it's just not very. It's comparing it to Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell and Carol Lombard. It's just. It feels... I mean, you've seen 20th Century and you've seen My Man Godfrey and she has a sort of... She vibrates in a way that I don't see Barbara Streisand do. And I don't want to take anything away from Barbara Streisand. She's a very good filmmaker. She's a good director. She's a great singer. She's a good actress, I'm sure. Comedian? I don't know. The
1: thing that kind of dawned on me. This viewing, the set, the first viewing, I was kind of just taken away by it. the, the what, this reviewing, watching it, she, she's Bugs Bunny. Yes, like,
0: well, that was it obvious.
1: That that's the thing, and the thing with Bugs is that he's never the bully. <laughs> like he 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 just you know he needles his way in there, and you know he he is like. The force of nature that kind of just comes in and sweeps everything apart, basically, you know, and that's what Barbara Streisand's character is here.
0: Yeah, but it's and Bugs I think Bunny because Scribble comedy is he a Scribble comedy character? But he's funny, he's,
1: he's not, he's not. I think, I think this is a mixture of the two. I think that's the thing with this movie is like it is like it's paying homage to the, the screwballs that we had that you used to have but then it's also like okay well, we're gonna try and do a, a live action you know almost a Bugs Bunny cartoon with that mm-hmm. um are you, have you got any more thoughts I mean no, no that's it of... um um
0: I mean I I really liked it it was really funny it was I'm just you know Ninety. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I I really liked it. I don't think I could have liked it more.
1: Okay. Okay. I, yeah. I just I had mean, a I'm few not...
0: qualms with with the acting. That's it.
1: Yeah. Um. So I mean, apparently, so what what happened was Warner Brothers came up to Bud Danovich and basically said to him, "Would you make a picture with Streisand? And they had a script called um, "A Glimpse of Tiger." but he didn't want to make it. It wasn't the kind of film that he wanted to make. Um, picture Show at this point hadn't even, you know, come out. So he was still very much riding on what he used to do with Roger Corman and and Targets. Um, Steve McQueen wanted him to do The Getaway, um, but he just, he didn't want to do it. So the other thing was like, you know, Warner Brothers uh, was like, you know, we Want you to do a thing with Streisand and she wants to work with him. Um, and he was asked by John Kelly, um, so you don't like this script, what would you like to make? And but Bogdanovich said, a screwball comedy like bringing up baby with Barbara, a square professor, and a Daffy Dave who breaks him down li- live happily ever after. Um, and then, like, you know, he just basically you know, did that, like, you know, he was like, that's, that's kind of what he wanted to do. He, he brought on, um, Benton, and he's got two guys, Benton and, and, and Newman, who ended up working on, um, uh, they used to, they worked on Bonnie and Clyde and it was like, took a good couple of goes with the script to kind of get it to where it wanted to be. And the film itself, when it came out was like the second biggest hit of the year in 1972. Um, do you know what the first one was?
0: the godfather
1: it was the godfather um which I apparently in 72 bogdanovich...
0: the first thing that pops into my head godfather or yeah, cabaret yeah. um my cabaret yeah, would have been uh, my second guess
1: yeah so um basically uh apparently bogdanovich was offered uh to do it um so if there was a there was a screening that they had uh, and Bogdan Richards says, um, there was an early glitzy screening of What's Up, Doc, and the audience seemed to be resisting it. They weren't loose enough for a film like that. It was like everyone was sitting there asking themselves, what is this? There had been some laughs. But it wasn't as warmly received as it would be later by the public. About 10 minutes in, John Cassavetes stands up in the middle of the picture, turns to the audience and shouts very loudly, I can't believe he's doing this. The place <laughs> broke up. And from then on, they all loved it. John and I became friends after that. It's my favourite film review of any... It's my favourite review of any film of mine.
0: Aww. um Which
1: I think is a really quite a sweet story.
0: It's very sweet. <laughs> I love John Cassavetes.
1: Um, and then, like, one of the things... Um, because a lot of this comes from... A couple of those things come from the interview he did, um, which is off on Cinephilia and Beyond, and I'll, I'll link to this in the show notes. But one of the questions the interviewer asked is saying, like, asking about, like... Whether the film, he brings up, uh, he says, the, the question he asks is, do you think there's a market for the kind of slapstick, Keystone cop kind of thing that you have in What's Up Doc? This is what the, the, the audio viewer says. And this is what Bogdanovich's reply. It's not Keenstone. It's not Max Sennett. Look at Max Sennett. He's not very funny. The chase, scene, the chase in What's Up Doc is really Buster Keaton. There have been only two great comedy directors, Buster Keaton and Ernst Lubitsch. Keaton for chases, Lubitsch for everything else. If you look at Keaton's <laughs> pictures, you'll see the impeccable placement the camera cutting timing he was dancing flying, doing priorettes. when it comes to visual comedy, there was no one else. The Keystone cops and all that is very primitive grotesque running around it was a funny people to it was funny to people back then, but I don't find it funny today um so yeah, he's basically agree. like yeah, he's basically like he's basically like you know i'm I wasn't doing you know i I wasn't doing uh this kind of slapstick thing i was doing buster and you can really see that in, the, in that chase sequence
0: yeah absolutely um, i was thinking about it the whole time and I, I think it's the first time i've seen a bogdanovich film where you can see the influence direct because he he's a fan of buster and he said so in yeah. his documentary so you could see that in in this film and i it was delightful i mean the, the
1: key moment is the is the cars going through the ladder and that pane of glass, <laughs> which it, it, it's a it's an amazing payoff because you yeah. don't know where it's going to go. You know the obvious is there, but you don't know where it's going to go. Um, and that was yeah, brilliant. It's, that's that was I think
0: that's my an, favorite an ama- scene of the film.
1: Yeah, it's it's really it's that's I love that bit. Um, there's some really great lines in in the thing like. There's a moment really early on where Eunice is like doing his tie, and she he's she she says to him, "Um, there's something that comes after marriage. Do you know what that is?" And he says, "Senility," <laughs> and like I just find that hilarious. Like he's he's clearly like he doesn't want to be in this relationship, but he's just stuck there because you know she's like a very overpowering kind of woman, and it takes someone like Babs to come in and just. You know, see the potential of what he could be. Um And you know, like I said, like it just sweeps him off. I, 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 yeah, yeah. Um It's interesting that you bring up the the Cary Grant thing. So, this is from the review from Roger Ebert. Is um, talking about Barbra Streisand at the beginning. So he says. This time, she proves herself as a her most accomplished screen comedian, a title she could have had for a long time ago if it weren't for inflated films she found herself in. She plays what I guess you'd call the Katherine Hepburn role, and O'Neill certainly has it in mind to play the Cary Grant role. Poor fellow, like so many actors before him, he finds that only Grant can quite do that. O'Neill wears horn-rimmed glasses and tries to be slightly prissy and offended by Miss Streisand's brashness, but we can't believe it. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. I, I I can kind of agree with that. I I I think it's you can't you can't compare to Cary Grant. I no, think, you know, I mean
0: there was one thing that he could do. I mean there were many things that he could do as as a, an actor, and he he could do a scribble comedy like nobody else. I don't know, I'm trying to think, but no, I mean John Barrymore was very good in twentieth century, but it was. Ham, it was not physical. It was just hammy. But yeah, Cary Grant was just very 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 physical and very funny.
1: So in the uh in the Hollywood Reporter, I mean, um after Bogdanovich died, they did like a little interview with Streisand about what's up, Doc? And um Streisand says to Hollywood Reporter, um, I didn't understand what was going on with the story half the time and just trusted Peter's vision. I never knew it would be a, become a big hit because I was always confused about which suitcase was which. Mm. Um, which is quite a... I mean, yeah, I mean, the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, well, I really need to start... I really need to pay attention straight away to kind of understand, you know... No, I... What, kind of what's going on. For me, anyway, I, I really had to... with uh, the suitcases and stuff, the different reasons <laughs> why everybody want the different suitcases. Um... This is from the Hollywood Reporter. Um, one memorable scene involves Howard sitting at a dinner table with a number of other academics while Judy causes chaos. According to Pendleton, Bogdanovich opted not to shoot close-ups for it because of the rapid-fire dialogue, although that meant a flop line would cause everyone to start over. Pendleton doesn't remember the cast making many mistakes while filming the exhausting scene, but the director still shot countless takes. We were just talking a mile a minute because that's what Peter called for, he says. We would war through it, and then he would just say cut and say, look, it's got to go faster than that. And we all go. Oh my god! It really, yeah. you know, it's a really demanding, uh, really, really demanding thing. The only other thing I really want to bring up is there's a line at the end, uh, whether in the in the plane, and Howard declares his love for Judy and apologizes, and Judy responds saying, "Love means never having to say you're sorry." Um, and he. <laughs> That's replies, the most ridiculous the stuff-
0: thing I've ever heard.
1: <laughs> now, th- that line that Judy says is in a movie called Love Story from 1970, which also starred Ryan O'Neill.
0: <laughs> I know. I've seen the movie may- many times. I grew um, up with that movie, actually. Okay.
1: I've, not, I've not seen that movie. Is it's it good? very
0: sad. It's very good, but it's very okay. sad with Ali McGraw. Okay. Um. Yeah. Um, and it's a very silly f- because in the film... She forgets the key and she says... He, so he's they're both students, I think, and they got married. They're very young. And she's forgotten her key and she's sit, sitting outside the uh, the house in, in very, very cold weather, freezing, while waiting for him to come back from work or whatever he is. And she doesn't say anything and he goes like, I'm sorry. And she's like, love, never means never having, having to say you're sorry. And I'm like, what? You, you're silly. You forgot your key. So what the hell? That's how I remember it anyway, so yeah it was, it was a ridiculous thing to say, and I yeah
1: <laughs> um lastly, did you catch the Casablanca reference to there's two of them actually
0: Why the song
1: yeah, so you got as time goes by, yeah, and then um she says, uh, of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, he well, puts of into course mine, it, Sam.
0: of yeah. course, I mean just- of course.
1: I wasn't doubting you. I was just like you know. Just
0: it was bring it up. yeah. It was very obvious what they were saying. Yeah, that is a very classic line of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world. She walks in mine.
1: So yeah, that's um, yeah. Yeah, um, so it was thought. it was I- a
0: very good film. I really enjoyed it.
1: Like okay, I said, I was like half expecting you just to come on and just say, oh, I loved it, unabashedly loved it. And I was like, oh, yeah, fantastic. I, but you know um, me, I have to
0: find fault with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we wouldn't have, have a to, podcast I, if there weren't I am quite with.
0: exigent, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> anyway, so this is our finale.
1: Season finale, yeah. Wrapping up for uh, season three. Um, I don't, know, I don't know if you have any uh, grand thoughts on season three and on the films that we've covered.
0: No, I I really enjoyed them all. I loved Paper Moon. And the Sorcerer.
1: Is that is that your... What would, I, mean, what would I can't the remember one,
0: what... I, mean, what uh, I have to look at the spreadsheet to end all spreadsheets, won't I? <laughs> Um, I think,
1: like, I think I would, like, out of all the films, I think, I don't know, maybe, I think His Girl Friday would probably be the one I'd probably rewatch again. Really? Yeah, because I think Screwballs in particular, like, they really, you know, second viewing is always seems to be a bit more, um, you know, rewarding because you, you, you know, what's, you know, what the plot is, so you just need to pay attention then to everything else.
0: Yeah. And then you, um, yeah, because basically for, you know, the, and then you pay attention to, to what you've missed in the first one.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So I did, you know, Cabaret was great. Sexy Beast was great. Sound of Metal was incredible. I enjoyed The Frighteners. And the player, yeah. You
1: didn't love black. You didn't love black hat as much as me, did you?
0: I did not. No, for, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't enjoy that. Um, I think, like,
1: yeah. For, I think for me, like, I think if I were to rewatch anything, like, straight away, it'd probably be His Girl Friday. I think The Great Tutito might follow suit. Um, um, I think High Sierra because i remember so if i remember rightly i was saying like this movie is ripe for a remake or an update yeah yeah um so that would you know that would be something that would be on my mind um yeah i said i
0: i think sexy Beast* would be one that i would watch again soon
1: yeah i probably won't watch naked or lost (laughs) weekend again anytime soon (laughs) oh Um, no why not and I think the one film I will never watch ever again is The Grapes of Wrath. Oh,
0: come um, on. Really? Uh,
1: not because not because it's bad. Not because it's bad. It's because that, 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 that movie hit like a ton of bricks. You
0: were scarred by the book, weren't you?
1: Yeah, I, I think the book did a number on me.
0: <laughs> I mean, Tom book... Joad and, you know... He's great, he's a great character, and Henry Fonda plays him to perfection and I'm still wondering why he didn't win that year it's It's a shame anyway
1: um so yeah, season three that's that's all done um like I said, like keep an eye out over the next um couple of months, you know we've got a couple of bonus episodes I'm sure we're we'll gonna end up re- um doing um you know we're we're trying to put something together for season four. That's you know, kind of a mixture like we like we always do. Um I have no idea when that will be coming out. Um Knowing our luck, it will coincide with uh, November, which means that we're going to have to do a load of noir movies.
0: Well, do we have any more noir movies left? I mean, I know no, we. I d- do because I forties are. I've, there's I'm still sh- a lot of forties films that I've I haven't seen.
1: I'm sure there's a I'm sure there's some noir movies that I can find. Um okay. and then we've got obviously October, end of October we've got Halloween, so I'm sure we're gonna find sure a is. couple of horror movies at least. Yeah. Um so yeah. Um keep an eye for that. As I said earlier on, um you can look if you if you like listening to my voice, for whatever reason, um you can say, you can find me on Real Talk. Um so just pop up on the podcast search you'll be able to find it real talk so that's r-e-e-l uh, as in you know film real get it get
0: it get it yeah you get it yeah
1: you get it yeah you get it <laughs> um <laughs> uh that's 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 me um danny where can we find you on the internet
0: uh you can find me on twitter at Kino joan and my website is kena
1: and you can find me on twitter at nick s chander my website is superatomrevision.com. As I said, uh, real talk starting uh, next week, week after. I've also did a get- guested on Partisan, where I talked about Michael Clayton, which is a fantastic movie. And it I is. also guested on, I also um, was on podcast Six One Six, where I got to talk about Thor: Love and Thunder, which is a less than fantastic movie, um, <laughs> in my opinion. So you um, say so i say i mean yeah danny may come to me and say it's the best marvel movie ever and then i'll just have to go with it um <laughs> our podcast gmail is keenatomic at gmail.com drop us an email if you have any ideas or any kind of films you want us to cover for season four and we'll see what we can do um is there anything we want to find out from our listeners Ooh,
0: favorite screwball comedy of all time favorite
1: screwball um, our podcast um, Twitter is mm-hmm. Kinatomic at uh Drop us a follow on there. Um, we'll do some, you know, periodic updates um, and what have you. But I think that's everything. Um, so with all that in mind, it's uh, so a goodbye uh, for season three and a thank you for listening from me.
0: And a goodbye and a thank you for listening from me. But... T-